0: The war war is won. I think no one gets it yet. It is December 22nd, 2020, and yesterday, we had a great celestial event where you could see Saturn and Jupiter together, which made them shine even brighter. I hope many of you saw it, uh, yesterday. I obviously, uh, because I've been working on all these things. I was extremely late to go over a friend's house who was making amazing cookies, which by the way, I, I really think she has like this feeling that she wants to give me diabetes because she sent me home with a bunch of them. Uh, so, uh, it was, it was great. It was really cloudy here in Cleveland and, um, I was like, yeah, it's out in the sky. I saw my friend uh, Matt in North Dakota posting a picture on Facebook. It was so clear. And believe it or not, I was like, you know, it's freezing outside, but let's go outside. That way I could smoke. That's number one. And two, maybe we'll see it. And just like that, the clouds parted. And it was so beautiful to see uh, that star uh, that was bright among the, the dark sky. And it was so bright that... You could see it peek through the clouds, so it was um, it was a uh, pretty spectacular to watch. Now, while all of us are preparing for Christmas, which, mind you, I've been wrapping presents while uh, listening to uh, transcripts of stuff. Uh, I actually opened up one by accident. Somebody sent me a T-shirt, and I don't know who sent it to me. It's got to be one of my favorite things ever. It's a green t-shirt, and it has Cartman saying, I'm not fat, I'm festively plump. Oh, my gosh. Like, that was, like, incredible. Incredible. It's long, but incredible. So I'm like, yes, now it's going to be, like, a new uniform that I'll be wearing uh, uh, for for a while. Um, so all of you, I'm, I'm wrapping presents. Um, I am trying to get myself into the spirit. I have f- finally put, well, finally had Phoebe climb up to put a star on our tree. So it's finally, we got the tree topper on, uh, cause we're both kind of sh- super vertically challenged, but it was done. Uh, yeah, no, I did open it by accident. I was <laughs> so like oh, I did, uh, because I'm trying not to open things that I don't recognize that way. If, if it's, um, For me, no, except for one, I got this amazing, it was like really big. And I was like, what is this? It was massive. And it was the most, I I didn't have a wreath for my door because I've been traveling and there was a wreath. It was so awesome. It's sitting on my door. I'll, 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 I'll tweet out and put in the Telegram group the picture. It was so awesome. But anyway, I'm trying to get into the Christmas spirit. I don't have to bake cookies because my friend, you know, gave me tons of them. So that's great. That's checkmark off. Um, but I can't say that I'm I'm fully in, in swing of feeling that uh, perpetual feeling of Christmas. I, I was always uh, the type of person that, you know, November 1st, Wreath would go up. Decorations would be crazy. This is the first time that I didn't feel to take out things. I feel like I need to be wearing war paint all the time because we're at war. And I feel uh, that this Christmas is giving birth uh, to a new type of um, uh, undertone for our nation. A nation that is going back to where they were when they were rebels. Now, you know, all of us are so proud of ourselves as Americans for becoming those rebels that, you know, broke away from the crown and um, said, stick it to the queen. But the more I think about it, the more I realize reading history, reading the stories they want to tell us, these generals and these you know, governors of states that were appointed by the British, it wasn't about freedom for them anymore. Because they are extremely rich, I believe it was just more about power. And the only person that I have faith and and I feel um, didn't care so much about the power was actually George Washington because he was like crazy rich, right? He owned like a lot of America back then. And I realized power is a very big motivator. Uh, even things that are done for good, there's always a catch. Kind of like how everyone believes, oh, we just didn't want slaves in the North. No, it was economic. And I was glad that that simplified video put it out there too. It's, um, it's, it's always about money and power. And 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 yesterday I was having a conversation uh, with my friend's husband, um, who's talking about his travels. And you know, I said, I really don't like human beings in the sense that they're so competitive. And I mean, competition is healthy, but then it becomes unhealthy. I've had, I've had—I <laughs> don't know if you want to call it a privilege, right? But I've had uh, the opportunity to be at soccer games overseas. That's a battlefield. Uh, I remember um, there was one summer that I was visiting my grandparents, and my cousins uh, all were going to watch a soccer game. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to come too. And there was a section uh, called Gate 21. That's where all the big fans would hang out, right, for a team called AEK, A-E-K, and they were playing against Olympiakos, um, which is another team, which is in Gate 7. I guess it's like where they sit in the stadium, like the super diehard fans. Well, Gate 21 was so ratchet with like insane fans that they would, it was called the cover section because they would put chain link fence on top of them so they don't throw shit out into the field. And I remember I put on like my cute little jeans and a crop top. And I was like, okay, I'm ready. And they're like, no, you can't go like that. So they had me wear like three, four t-shirts, wear sweatpants on top of my jeans. And I was just like, why are you doing that? They're like, dude, you can't walk in there. Girls like don't go in there. And if you go in there, people are going to be looking at you like a, you know, like a tasty cookie. Just trust us. So I went in there and what I saw was rage. Rage. And it was the most bizarre thing. I mean, sportsmanship, right? People were just insane. They were throwing things, and it was coming back at them because they were covered by a chain link fence. But it was, it was this. Uh, yeah, I, I can't even explain. Like they would fight. Like actually, after the game, people would go out and then beat each other up outside. And I was like, "What is going on here?" So I noticed that the same phenomenon happened at a West Ham game in England. You know, I went to a West Ham. Game and then everyone, you know, kind of poured out after the game. West End had lost and there were riots. People were fighting. And I was like, what is going on? Right? Why? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> and they were like, you Americans with your stupid foam fingers and stuff. And I was thinking, you know, it was really bizarre to me how people were so animalistic and so enraged and so like just crazy. And I notice a lot of people do that even here, but I guess they do it at home or tailgating, you know, with their beer, where they just hate the other team and hate their friends that hate, that like the other team, you know? And that's the feeling that I get that we have in general, not just football, basketball, baseball, soccer, whatever, cricket, Pakistanis and Indians when they play, dang, I've seen one of those <laughs> and you want to talk, right? These people stab each other. So it's like a form of like tri- tribal, you know, primal responses, which which I find very remedial, uh, especially in today's day and age. But so weird. It's like the soccer player doesn't even care about you. You actually fund him. Why would you be willing to risk your life for him? Uh, you know, it was just bizarre. But if we take that example and see how we are, as a nation in every facet, in, uh, in sports, in, in politics and in, in business, it's the same thing, really. It's kind of like everybody wants to be on top. It's like this. And then this team camaraderie that comes with it, which is so brainwashed because I, I, I remember asking my other cousins, like, why are you so insanely, you know, like people will fight you if you talk about their team wrong. So obviously, me being me, I would bother them. Uh, but And I would pick, like, the stupidest team just to be upset, just make them upset. But it's, it's weird because they have nothing to gain, yet they side with that team. And this is how I see a lot of us, right? A lot of us are just like those insane fans of soccer, football, in basketball, there's people that would be like, God, oh, Democrats, ride or die. <laughs> and it's like, all right, so just tell me what the Democrats have done for you. God, oh, Democrats. And you're like, yeah, that's not an answer. Explain to me how they've assisted your community. What have they done for you? And the same thing should go for the Republicans. Think about it. Like, we we mock the Democrats they just use you. They just, And they do it blatantly. Like they don't even care, right? <laughs> they don't even care, right? They just... Phew. What is a, the, What has the Republican Party done for any of us in the past four years? Yet we throw behind them full freaking support. Full support. And I think this is this opposing thing, this primal uh, you know, quality that human beings have, which is to not see the middle. It's got to be black or white. It's got to be left or right. It's got to be red or blue. It's got to be one side or another. It's never a good marriage of both. And now both of them suck. So I don't want to marry anything between them. Let's be straight. But this is how genius these politicians are. Not only have they made us choose a side, right? We will fight to the death for it, like the West Ham fans, when they lose in their territory. But they've also made us feel like we serve them. Kind of like that question that I asked, like, why are you so insane about this, you know, soccer player? Like, he doesn't even know your name. He won't even look at you. He can't even be bothered to sign an autograph for you. Like, why would you... Die for him, right? Like out in a fight, lose your teeth, you know, or someone cut you. Like, why would you do that? That's the way it is here. Like, why? Because they believe you serve them, even though the soccer player makes his money because you buy tickets and fan gear and go to watch the games and all of this. So, in essence, That soccer player, like, let's just pretend it's Beckham and it's not, but let's just pretend, right? Beckham, right? Great soccer player, whatever. He felt like, stop, just serve me. Means buy my tickets, buy my stuff. And, you know, I don't got time for you. I don't even want to look at you. And you're serving him. When he should be serving you, because he's performing, uh, you know, a skill for you that provides you entertainment. Therefore, he should be appreciative of you. But it's the other way around. This is the way the politicians are. You support them. You give them money. You ask them to be your voice. They talk to you. They'll talk to you while they want you to support them, while they want your money, right? But then, in the end, they believe you serve them. So we actually feel like that. We feel that our politicians, you know, that we serve them. Because I don't see why I can't call up my congressman or congresswoman or senator and say, hey, I want to talk to you. And they're going to be like, yeah, so we're busy. You could talk to one of my snotty staffers. It's like 18. It's like, no, I voted for you. You want my vote? You got to talk to me. And they snub you. Because like Joe Biden, they don't need your votes. You get it? They really don't need your votes. But they do need enough support and enough money to come out on top so that those that need them in a position approach them. So it's like, let's pretend me and Sheila were running for office. And we're all talking to the constituents, da 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 And, you know, suddenly the vote is on. Well, I want to raise more money than Sheila. So that way, the GOP, for example, comes to me and says, Tori, so it looks like you're going to be in. So that way they could program the machine to help me. We kind of like you. uh, Let's talk. So they have a conversation with me to see where I'm at. How submissive am I? What am I willing to do for them? How obedient I am. And I've raised a lot of money to beat Sheila. Sheila. Then they go to Sheila, they have an interview. Sheila is ready to bend over backwards, spread her legs, you know, say whatever, sign whatever, side with the Democrats if they want. She just wants it. She wants the gym membership, the prestige of sitting there. That's her goal. Period. Suddenly, the election machines are fixed to get Sheila out because Sheila is more complicit with what they want and how they want her to respond. So even though Sheila's talking a good game to her constituents, the minute she's in, her constituents don't matter anymore. Now, this is true story. This is how it works for every single politician. This is how it works. So why are we allowing that to keep going? And so the fact that this is a brave new world is that people are starting to get it. How many times have they passed bills And I told you, watch them put pork in it. Did you guys see the stat? 6,000 pages? Are you kidding me? 6,000 pages? I mean, are you outraged yet? I mean, I am. I mean, why are we giving millions of dollars to Pakistan for their lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transsexual programs? Wait a minute. Why are we paying... $453 million to Ukraine. Haven't they fucked up enough shit for us? Why are we giving them our hard earned tax dollars? And if we're not giving them our tax dollars, we're getting a loan to give it to them that we have to pay again. Why are we handing out money to other countries? Why are we giving $700 million to South Sudan, which now has changed its name to Sudan? Suddenly I didn't see that transition, but obviously that's what happened. So we're giving $700 million to Sudan because Catherine Marie Fee, aka Molly Fee of the State Department, fucked it all up. So now we're going to give them almost a billion dollars of our hard-earned tax dollars for what? Tell me again? Wait a minute. How is this? We're giving away money to people overseas. I think it was like $100 or $200 million. Wait, $193 million. That's it. Was allocated. Listen to this. To give to people that don't live in the United States money to buy a car under the condition that you have AIDS or HIV. So if you go and get AIDS or HIV, you get a free car, thanks to the American taxpayer. Wait, it gets better. We're also giving millions of dollars for horses that run in races, checking out the thoroughbreds and the steroids we get them. I'm sorry, what does that have to do with the stimulus bill for COVID? Why are we giving it away to other countries? Why are we giving it away to horse races? Why are we paying the Smithsonian? Why are they shut down? So they're closed, period. Why are we giving out all this money? Why are we buying cars for people that, you know, have AIDS, okay, that are not Americans? Why are we spending our money like that? Think about it. I've told you this before. Whenever they pass a bill, it has absolutely nothing to do as to why they're passing it, haven't I? I have told you that over the years, that in the bills, they (laughs) put their pork in it. This is a money grab. And they so happily passed it. Billions of dollars that you and I are going to be left with the bill. Or wait, better yet, maybe we can declare bankruptcy, you know, and have the UN come and get us. But, you know, that's a scenario that's creeping up, which is quite interesante. Um, and we'll talk about that today. But think, the insane things <laughs> that, that they spent our money on. And guess what? You and I got 600 whole dollars. But if you fly out to Africa, go into one of those hot spots with the AIDS prostitutes and get it, you'll get a free car. Because we'll pay for it. You know, I mean, we have to think about it. We need to give Burma $135 million, $85 to $86 million to Cambodia. Uh, we're giving uh, the India money, of course. We have uh, to create a Climate Security Advisory Council. That shit needs money too. So all of this is under the COVID relief bill when all of it is relief for everybody else and we get 600 bucks. Like the Horse Racing Integrity and Safety Act of 2020. What the fuck? This, excuse me. Our nation is in absolute freaking turmoil. Nine months, people haven't been able to open up their bakeries and shops. People haven't been able to make money. They can't work, they can't do anything. Schools are getting paid their salary. Congress is getting paid their salary. Senate is getting paid their salary. Americans aren't. They're not. But, you know, we need a Title 12 Horse Racing and Integrity Safety Act. Because that's really important right now. We got to think about the horse races. I mean, them Saudis love them horses. You see what I'm saying? These people don't care about you. You serve them. They know what they are doing. Do you know what they're doing? They're telling you. They hate you. You need to shut up and serve them. And you need to be quiet and taken. And 6,000 pages? How's the president going to read through that? Don't worry. We got it. Because you've been recruited. He's watching everything there is online. Thanks to every American that said, Hey, I'll take the last 100. You take pages 399 to this. Guys, I was skimming through it. And I was like, this is, Are you kidding? I was skimming through it while I was on a Greek radio station. I was just skimming through it and I was so pissed. And I was like, okay, this is this, it had to be this way. But think about it. Think about it this way. Okay. Think about it. (laughs) Think about it this way. Let's pretend that all of us found another civilization on another planet. And let's call it Earth 2, right? Or let's call it dearth for dumb Earth. And you see the civilizations there with all these people living their lives just like us, identical to us, okay? But we're the people that are more intelligent, supposedly, and we're watching dearth, right? And suddenly, you're seeing their leaders pass a bill like this, right? Right? What does that tell you about the people that are sitting there while their leaders are passing a bill like this? While they're starving, they don't have money, they can't work, they lost their jobs, they they're they're screwing with their health. What would you think about dearth? Right? You'd be like dearth, dumb earth? What would you think? And so if their leaders are allowed to screw them like that, treat them like that, what does it tell you about that civilization? Think about it. When someone else is looking, what does it tell you about that civilization? That it's evil. Not only are they stupid, but they're evil because they do that to each other. It's evil. It is evil. It is pure evil. What they're doing is pure evil. They're passing this massive bill that you're paying for. You're paying to buy a car for someone that has AIDS outside. It's actually $193 million. For federal HIV/AIDS workers stationed abroad to buy new cars, huh? Let me read it to you. For carrying out Titles Two, Three, and Seventeen of the PHS Act with respect to global health five hundred ninety two million eight hundred forty three thousand of which one hundred twenty eight thousand four hundred and twenty one hundred twenty eight million four hundred twenty one thousand shall remain available through september thirtieth, twenty twenty for international HIV AIDS, and one hundred ninety three million four hundred thousand shall remain available through september thirtieth, twenty twenty three for global disease detection and emergency response, provided that funds may be used for purchase and insurance of official motor vehicles in foreign countries. The fuck? How is that helping us with COVID? Tell me. Or how is (laughs) this? Wait, wait. wait. It gets better, (laughs) just so you understand. So there was a portion. Hold on, I highlighted it. Consumer Product Safety Act, 15 U.S.C., 2058. Education campaign. No later than a year after the date of enactment of this act, the commission shall undertake a campaign to educate consumers about the dangers associated with using or storing portable fuel containers for flammable liquids near an open flame and other source of ignition. All right. So they're saying Americans are so stupid. Okay? Check this out. We're going to put, you know, So dumb. Fifty million dollars aside to educate people that you don't put gas or petroleum next to an open flame. Okay, this is actually written in there, written in there, written in there. I mean, I I mean, let me pull up another one. Okay, how's another one? Okay, listen to this. We're going to put aside two hundred million dollars to do a bunch of things about sexual risk but i, I let me quote this goal setting and res- resisting sexual coercion dating violence and other youth risk behaviors such as underage drinking or illicit drug use without normano- without normalizing teen sexual activity tell me from all of these that i'm telling you how this has to do with covid let's just oh Covered horses that are injured or unsound should not train or participate in covered races and the use of medications of other foreign substances in treatment. Horse races, right? Horse races. Horse races. Because they want to investigate the 1908 Springfield race riot too. They need to do that in there. Study area of the 10th Street Rail Corridor and other sites in Springfield, Illinois, associated with 1908 Springfield race riot. Because that's exactly what we need right now. We need to go investigate that. We need to make climate councils. We need to give Pakistan $10 million, right? So that uh, we can help Pakistan. Not, not less than $15 million shall be available for democracy program. And not less than $10 million should be available for their gender program. Dude, they're Muslim. Okay, number one. And you got Shia Muslims there too. And you have Sikhs, but you're going to give them money for gender programs. What is going on here? This is not real. This is in the document. In the document. So we're going to give the Islamic secret. Okay. So we're going to give our friends in Pakistan that helped us pull off a lot of this stuff. You know, 9-11, Osama, the whole nine yards. You know, they helped. cover up a lot of this stuff and orchestrate it with us. So we're going to give them $25 million under the guise of helping them with gender freaking programs and democracy issues. Are we kidding? Like, who put this together and thought, sounds like a great idea. Let's just put a bunch of legislation in there and call it the COVID relief. This is it. And I've been saying it for years when they've been passing these stupid bills. Veto, 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 veto. And I said that yesterday before they even put it out all in public. Veto. You know what they were doing? Pork, 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 pork. They want to grab money. So um, I want to talk about the stimulus bill, but I want you guys to hear um, an interview that happened yesterday um about it. Hold on a second. Cause I, I want you guys to listen to someone that that talks about this stuff. Hear what he had to say about it, okay? Let's just um do that. Give me a second. There we go. All right. Take a listen.
1: That have liberal governors and liberal secretaries of state. You can see that they have broken the law and gone against our constitution with this election. And so, because of that, on January 6th, as the people of Western North Carolina sent me to Washington to do a job, I will be contesting the election.
2: All right, welcome back. That was Congressman-elect Madison Cawthorn of North Carolina. That's earlier today at the Turning Point USA Youth Summit in South Florida. He says he'll join a growing number of representatives who will challenge the results of the election come January 6th. And Madison Cawthorn joins us. Uh, Great to talk with you. Congratulations on the election, first off. And this is a big, uh,
1: quite a bold first move you're going to make here. Tell us why you're doing it. Well, the number one reason, yeah, I was pontificating in that talk today at SAS, the Student Action Summit. And I really started saying, you know, the reason it's more fun to be a Republican is that you you can go to bed at night knowing that you are doing the right and the just thing. And so as I'm sitting there, I know this will cause some political blowback, you know. In the end, I don't believe anyone should be sent to Washington, D.C. for a career. I believe they should be th- sent there to do a job for the American people and to represent them. And right now, you know, according to Article 1 of the Constitution, we see that in our state, the election process is only allowed to be altered or changed by the state legislature. But what we're seeing going on in seven of these very key swing states is that as I was, you just played in that clip, We have these rogue Democratic governors and secretaries of state who were altering the laws because of a pandemic and the emergency. But Mm -hmm. as I always say, if you let your elected leaders break the law during an emergency, they will in the future create an emergency to break the law. And so I absolutely believe it is imperative that we do not allow them to set a precedent, that they can come in and change election laws, which then alter the the absolute direction and future of our country. Yeah. And so I'm here representing the people of Western North Carolina who want me to fight. There's, there's a lot of
2: people legally that analyze this and they say the idea of changing the rules at the last minute, allowing them to send out all these ballots and change the way we've always voted. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but there's also, it seems like there's not a lot of appetite to do anything about it because I think the fear of, of the blowback. You think that's true?
1: Oh, I absolutely think it's true. I, I doubt you're, you're, you're ignorant of this. The majority of the people in the Republican Party are spineless and they're cowards. And uh, I think that there is a new wave of conservatives that are coming up who are going to stand up and fight. Uh, and, you know, as it says in Article 2 of the Constitution, it is the it was within our jurisdiction, within Congress, to not say that this election was exactly how it should have been. Uh, and I will not be giving my consent for us to accept these electoral votes. And because of that, you know, I, I think that we need more Republicans to do this. This shouldn't be a hard decision to make. Uh, it's very clear based on constitutional law. Yeah. And it's very clear based on the wishes of the people. And that's who we're here to represent.
2: Yeah, it's, it's refreshing to hear you talk. You haven't been, you know, swampified yet, I guess. <laughs> haven't been in D.C. long enough to, to fall in with the crowd. Like you said, I want to ask you about this bill that they're about to pass. And by the way, we do have an eye on uh, what's happening on Capitol Hill as far as this vote is going. Uh, it just passed the House, passed it handily. Uh, We all know nobody read this bill. It's 5,500 pages long and people just got access to it today. Uh, What do you think of the idea of passing these kinds of bills that nobody has read?
1: Oh, it's absolutely ridiculous. You know, I absolutely think that we should pass a new law, which says, you know, in, in my mind, this is just off the top of my head, but it should be one subject, one bill. And the headline and the subject of the bill should be the only thing you're allowed to legislate on. Because right now, Congress is in trying to pass this emergency legislation to get desperately needed funding to the American people. Uh, but it's a $900 billion uh, relief bill. And you know, if we just do some simple arithmetic, $900 billion divided evenly between the 330 million citizens of the United States of America comes out to around $2,700. But they're deciding to send us $600 checks while
0: they're Yeah, and they're proud of it, too. They're like, I'm so proud I did this. You know who's on the screen? One of the most corrupt senators, one of the top richest senators we have, Senator Don Hoeven of North Dakota with his stupid little porn stash.
1: We're trying to offshore a significant amount, billions and billions of these dollars, to countries like Sudan, Guatemala, all over the world. Why does that make any sense? We need to have an America-first agenda where we serve the people of the United States before we start taking care of the rest of the world.
2: I couldn't agree more with that. Uh, I want to ask you, you're, you're at this turning point thing over the weekend. Uh, a lot of young. Uh, yes.
0: okay. So let's talk the bill. All right. So we talked about this last time they tried to pass a bill where I was like, why are they putting all this stuff in it? Shouldn't it just be a one pager? Let's give the people money. Thank you. This is the part where this president who loves America is going to be like, hey, secretary of treasury, just cut them a check. Cut the check. Just tell them to cut the check. Go over it. We don't need them. We do not need them because they do not serve us at all, ever. Now, there was a speech that President Reagan had put out in regards to the myth of the great society. In other words, the communist society. (laughs) Communists, commies, commies. Because they're all commies. That's what they are, commies. And I want us to remember it. And I'm going to put the last uh, few minutes of it, which I really like, for you to listen. Because it's important that we remember that this isn't something new. What we are seeing now has been a long-standing plan. Even our revolution, it was a plan. It was a plan of ambitious people that wanted power. And (laughs) so dumb. You're new to this. You're a country that was, what, a couple years old, 100 years old, 200 years old. You think you're going to pull one over for civilizations that have been here thousands of years? Don't care who your god is. Some of them made walls. They can be seen from space.
3: I got news for them. It's no fun when it happens indoors. <laughs> That is all they have to say about wildlife. If your recreational area has a bathhouse intended for the use of both men and women, it should be divided into two parts by a tight partition. <laughs> now, now you know we'd have never thought of that one by ourselves. Honestly, though, I know that they only mean to be helpful. (laughs) I know that it's really human nature and they're motivated by the most humanitarian of idealism. It's just natural for them to see the problems and see the immediate problem and to suggest, oh, if we had a little more money, a little more power, what we could do for the people. Now in an atmosphere of emergency and excessive zeal for our welfare, the federal government proposes to invade an area the traditional province of the local community and state, the finest public school system in all the world. There's no real determination yet that the federal government is the best manager of our educational affairs. A suspicion prevails that they're not so much interested in speeding progress as they are in asserting authority in every conceivable aspect of the educational system. It's an educational system that has worked very well and has been responsive to parental opinion. But Washington insists that it only wants to help solve the financial problems attendant on our rapid growth. Well, problems there are, particularly because the federal government in recent years has dried up so many sources of, re- of local revenue by usurping those sources for its own tax policies. But that same government has figures that reveal that we at the local level in the last decade have increased school revenue by 156%. We have built in 10 years $30 billion worth of classrooms. We have reduced the ratio of pupil to teacher and pupil to classroom. And we have increased the average teacher's salary by 65%. And yet every suggestion that we make for earmarking tax money and allowing it to remain at the local level without running it through those puzzle palaces on the Potomac First is met with great resistance. Already there are 135 separate federal agencies and offices doling out money at the college level. Some time ago, a group of distinguished college presidents, alarmed at the extent to which academic freedom has been compromised by these vast money grants, went to Washington and they had a proposal they'd worked out a proposal for allowing the individual citizen to compute his income tax and then deduct a specified amount and contribute it to the college of his choice instead of paying it in income tax. And the government would the government would be allowed to determine the proper amount that would solve the problem and yet not disrupt the government's own economy or need for revenue. And thus they would get around the, the question of church and state, the separation of same, if an individual citizen chose to contribute his money to a church-supported school. Over and over again in Washington, they kept asking, but why won't this system work? And finally, a Freudian slip occurred. Francis Keppel, United States Director of Education, blurted out, you don't understand, under the plan you propose, we couldn't achieve our social objectives. Social objectives, and now we uncover a memorandum, thanks to the press, actually, A memorandum in the Community Relations Service of the Poverty Program has nothing really to do with education, but the memorandum is very disturbing in this sentence. We should conduct a systematic effort to contact all publishers and school boards to encourage their publication and adoption of textbooks conforming to established standards. Well, if the government is going to build the schools and buy the books, issue scholarships, make judgments, and exert pressure. What if one day that pressure is of a political nature, not to our liking? Education is the bulwark of freedom, but you remove it too far from the community and the parents' control and education becomes the tool of tyranny. Already here and there in our land, there are too many students that are studying from textbooks that devote a chapter to public welfare and not one line to Patrick Henry. Sometimes when you look at the problem, you think that government's like a baby. It's an elementary canal with an appetite at one end and no sense of responsibility at the other. (laughs) We're taxed in our food and our drink and our shelter with the government taking a higher percentage from the productive free economy than any government has ever done in history without ruin. So-called tax reform, when it is suggested, winds up as the old shell game. They just rearrange it, shift it around, and apply it someplace else as we discovered with the so-called tax cut we thought we had. Our tax policy today is based in the idea that we're robbing Peter to pay Paul. Well, we'd better take another look. We're robbing Paul to pay Paul, and we're all named Paul. Peter went bankrupt a long time ago. Inflation, planned and deliberate over the last three decades, has reduced the value of our dollar to 35 and a half cents. Well, how did this come about? Well, mainly because we have perverted our Constitution. Perverted it with regard to a welfare clause that doesn't exist. Perverted it with regard to the misuse of the taxation system. Perverted it with regard to the interpretation of the clauses on interstate commerce. And we've done it under such high-sounding phrases as the greatest good for the greatest number. Or one man, one vote. Forgetting that majority rule becomes mob rule unless there is a set of ground rules protecting the individual.
0: Oh, stop. How does that sound to you? Think about it. How does that sound to you? How pissed are you at yourself that all of this has been happening? All of this has been discussed, and you are none the wiser. This is deja vu. We are exactly where they were decades ago. And nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. See, this isn't repetition. This is, it's been going on forever. People have been saying it, but what have you done? Nothing. 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 Absolutely nothing. And now, we're at the point that if you do nothing, you will be tagged like an animal. You will be treated like a commodity to those that are more powerful than you. And that's because you have lost your ability to see. And hopefully... Your eyes are seeing a lot clearer now with all that light that came with that alignment. I'm just hoping that maybe it's a little bit more visible. So you see more, you hear more, but are you dumb? No, you speak. Your mouth now has a voice and that voice is sitting in the White House. Remember, we talked about duplicity, duality, right? We'll get to that today. One's right to life...
3: One's right to life, to liberty, to the freedom of worship, to speak, to assemble, in short, our God-given unalienable rights, may not be submitted to a vote. The very purpose of the Bill of Rights was to forever put them beyond reach of majority rule. A hundred years ago, the problem of the nation was a nation half slave and half free and whether such a nation could survive. And today it's a world half slave and half free and whether mankind himself can survive. We call out to the guard in the night and ask, does all go well? And echoing back from the shores of the Potomac comes the word, there's nothing to fear. Nothing to fear but an evil enemy who since World War II has increased the enslavement of eight per- from 8% of the world's population to near 40%. Every lesson of history tells us that as a nation has grown in culture and refinement and advanced, it has softened. And when confronted by the barbarian, the less cultured, the barbarians have triumphed. You and I have come to our moment of truth. Does man exist only by permission of and for the sake of the, of the state, the group, marching toward eternity in a super anti, or does he control his own destiny? This is a question that must be answered by all of us, regardless of party, to those who are Democrats. Ask yourselves if the leadership of your party still follow the precepts of Jefferson, Jackson, and Cleveland. Take the platform of 1932 on which Franklin Delano Roosevelt was elected with its demand for a 25% reduction in the cost of the federal government, for restoration of constitutional limits on the power of that government, for a return to the states and the local communities and the individuals of the rights that had been taken from them. Ask which party would be most at home today with those promises. I know that the bond of party loyalty is very strong. I was a Democrat most of my life. I know it is hard to to make a change from party loyalty and the party of your lifelong choice without a feeling that you're being treasonable or unfair. I say to you, have no feeling of disloyalty if you have decided you no longer can follow the leadership of that party tonight because the leadership of that party has long since abandoned you. And now to those of us of another party, to those who are Republicans, today the Republican Party is the vehicle we must use as the party of opposition. Opposition to the misguided leadership at home and opposition to all the evil abroad that threatens the dignity and freedom of man in every land. And it's an awesome responsibility. And you and I who are Republicans cannot meet it with a splintered party. For too long, We have been Republicans complete with descriptive adjectives and hyphens before the word Republican. Moderate Republicans, liberal Republicans, conservative Republicans, whatever label we chose. The truth is we've been sucker Republicans. Those adjectives and those hyphens were given to us by our opponents and the time has come to bundle them up and give them back. If you have to hang on to the hyphen, just be a good or a Republican Republican. We can cringe in the shadow of a philosophy we detest but fear to challenge, or we can rise from a defeat and begin the second round of our struggle to restore the republic. And now there are those among us, there are Republicans today who understandably, so hungry to get back to the position that we once held, to reestablish some equality in this two-party system, restore the imbalance we now have? Who has suggested, even somewhat cynically, that maybe we should start talking to voter blocks and making promises that perhaps we should even reshape our party in the image of the victorious party on the basis that perhaps an imitation might get more votes than we've been attracting? Well, I'd like to suggest there is a block we can appeal to, It's a voter block of millions and millions of people. It crosses party lines, ethnic lines, religious and racial lines, economic lines. It's made up of millions of unsung heroes. People who get up in the morning, send their kids to school and go to work. They contribute to their church and their charity and their community. They believe that they were created in God's image and that God is the author of their rights and freedom. And they're disturbed because their children can no longer ask God's blessing in a schoolroom.
0: Can you guys see that Super V right there? I just wanted to point it out. I say to you, that block, that block of voters can be ours.
3: Not if we come to them with any imitation or sets program but only if we're willing to stand on principle. Yes, let's be willing to tell them that we, too, want to solve and will solve, as to the best of our ability, the problems of poverty and hunger and health and old age and unemployment. But we believe we can do that without resulting to undue compulsion and fiscal irresponsibility. That we believe we can put a floor beneath which no American will be asked to live in degradation But at the same time, we will not erect a ceiling above which no citizen can fly without being penalized for his initiative and his effort. And let us tell them that hard though the problems may be that face us on the world scene, we will not buy our protection from the threat of the bomb by trading away the freedom of people in other lands not ours to give. And let's tell them that if their sons are going to be asked to fight and die for their country, at the same time, they'll be
0: allowed to win. Task Force for Victory. That's what's up. That is exactly what's up.
3: To all Republicans today entrusted with this responsibility, because it is ours, I say look deep in your own hearts and ask yourselves if you possibly can have any difference with any other Republican that is more important than this challenge that faces us tonight. If you have, if you're unwilling to meet this challenge, then you'd better start preparing, deciding what you'll tell your children it was that you found more important than freedom. They'll want to
0: know imagine that's exactly it how will history look at them how will history remember them (laughs) deja vu actually it's simply that it's been going on that long and it's only when someone is at the precipice that they move it's always about pressure and i said this before because even in science I came up with an answer because I didn't like the fact that there was no answer. There is no answer. Why did plants migrate to land? Uh, They just did. And it's like, stop. There's a reason. And one thing we realize is when things change, it's because of pressure. I guess there wasn't enough pressure because there was a lot of fluff and perfume and tutus to keep you going. You add the Home Improvement Channel, so you can watch all the fancy backs black spa- backsplashes, back right? Uh, you had the stars to mesmerize you. The Oscars lost their allure. That lasted, what, 20 years, right? You had MTV. That went away really quickly. You had, you know, trashy magazines like the Anqu- Star and Enquire. I used to love to read those in, like, the aisles at the supermarket. And sometimes I'd buy them. uh You know, you had... All these toys as a kid that kept you stimulated. You know, for us that were born in that Gen X time, right? Gen Z time, Gen X time. Damn, we're the ones that had no computers and then had computers. We're the ones that had no cell phones and then had cell phones. We're like the OGs of adaptability. And because we were so adaptable, we can adapt to the pressure, which is exactly what they were waiting for our generation to bend the knee. The others were conditioned to be bent because they would see from us the acceptance of that push down and they didn't have the education we did. So for those of you between the ages of 35 and up, you're the OG of adaptability. So the question is, do you still want to be malleable and adapt and form and, 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 and kneel to them? do you stand up and say, look, it was a fun ride, but it's got to end here. That's the thing. Because what people will tell you is that you can't beat them. It's impossible to stop them. They are a giant. You will never be able to bring one over on them. Well, that's not true. Because it's people that know what kind of giant they are that make the changes. It's the people that think outside the box and say, Oh, you got 10,000 army. Well, I'm a one woman strong. And here I come. That's how you need to be because you should never give up on what you believe is true. And that's what we're going to be talking about in our second hour. So let's take a break and get some coffee.
4: Years from now, some of them may look back and ask themselves whether they've made the right choice whether they've made the most of the opportunities they've been given. Together, we have the same mission. Over the course of your life, you will find that things are not always fair. You will find that things happen to you that you do not deserve and that are not always warranted. But you have to put your head down and fight, fight, fight. Never, ever, ever give up. Don't give in, don't back down, and never stop doing what you know is right. Nothing worth doing ever, ever, ever came easy. And the more righteous your fight, the more opposition that you will face. In your hearts are inscribed the values of service, sacrifice, and devotion. Now you must go forth into the world and turn your hopes and dreams into action. America has always been the land of dreams because America is a nation of true believers. When the pilgrims landed at Plymouth, they prayed. When the founders wrote the Declaration of Independence, they invoked our Creator four times. Because in America, we don't worship government, we worship God. It is why our currency proudly declares, in God we trust. And it's why we proudly proclaim that we are one nation under God. The story of America is the story of an adventure that began with deep faith, big dreams, and humble beginnings. The next generation of American leaders never, ever give up. There'll be times in your life you'll want to quit, never quit. Never stop fighting for what you believe in and for the people who care about you. Carry yourself with dignity and pride. Demand the best from yourself. The more people tell you it's not possible that it can't be done, the more you should be absolutely determined to prove them wrong. Treat the word impossible has nothing more than motivation. Relish the opportunity to be an outsider. The more that a broken system tells you that you're wrong, the more certain you should be that you must keep pushing ahead. You must keep pushing forward. And always have the courage to be yourself. America is better when people put their faith into action. Pray to God and follow his teachings. Today, each of you begins a new chapter as well. When your story goes from here, it will be defined by your vision, your perseverance, and your grit. You will build a future where we have the courage to chase our dreams no matter what the cynics and the doubters have to say. You will have the confidence to speak the hopes in your hearts and to express the love that stirs your souls. As long as you have pride in your beliefs, courage in your convictions and faith in God, then you will not fail. As long as America remains true to its values, loyal to its citizens, and devoted to its creator then our best days are yet to come may god bless the class of 2017 may god bless the united states of america and i just want to let you know that god blesses you and i want to just say you are special in every way god bless you and god bless america thank, thank you. you very much
5: thank you
0: and we are that class of 2017, and uh, Gen Xers are the ones that are going to take this back. Like someone said in the chat, we had He-Man, Thundercats, She-Ra, Gem in the Holograms. You know, the Smurfs were getting laid out with those Belgium mushroom dwellers. Did you know that the Smurfs are actually from Belgium? Did you know that? That was a a, a cartoon from Belgium. So. Gen Xers are the OGs of adaptability, but they're the ones that would get in scuffles. They're the ones that rode their bikes till sundown. I mean, even in the cities, I know in New York, it would be the stoops. I would go to my friend's house because I didn't have a stoop. <laughs> so I would go to another borough to hang out with friends. To be honest, I wasn't so, um, my my childhood wasn't so, um, Exciting ish. I mean, I roller skated a lot when I was in Queens, when I would be staying there. Um, but I, I was pretty much raised in the church. Um, you know, my dad had a business, my mom worked. So the nuns and the priests raised me. I, I, you know what? Actually, I, I said this to my friend the other day, and I, I don't know if I've said this on air, but when I was younger, I wanted to be a nun. <laughs> I did, because uh, I didn't like people. Um, I wanted to, um, yeah, actually become a nun in a monastery where you don't talk to people much, um, and they don't talk much, they just read a lot and pray a lot. I actually did want to do it, and I, 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 a lot of you know, spiritual people that I've met with were like, no, you know, and I was like, because mm. I wasn't, I was, I was one of those. I was one of those kids that was so defiant, but a silent defiant, right? Um, I was not a a kid that would not do things. I remember my dad when I was, um, uh, maybe I was like 10. Uh, He had gotten us a new TV for the living room, and it was like a big TV, like a 30, 40 inch. And that's a big deal for like, you know, uh, 19 Uh, maybe 89, 90. So I was like, yeah, 10, 11, 12, whatever. And I remember that we had to buy a cable box. It was like a black cable box that we'd put on top. And you could watch a few channels, whatever you paid for. Well, I went to the library and I was reading up on things. I would always go to the library. Like I had a garbage bag full of books. I kid you not. Half the stuff I probably didn't understand. I was just reading it just to read it. And um, I remember... Uh, there were some periodicals that i was reading uh, magazines about how they would uh, you know bad people would crack the <laughs> the cable box so this big tv came and it was saturday morning so that was like smurf time for my sister with cereal in front of the tv that was like a go thing i i'm, I'm sure a lot of people 80s and 90s kids know that the saturday morning cartoons And, um, uh, my mom that day had left to go with her friends to the church or do something. I don't remember. So, 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 so my dad was hanging out with us. And so his hanging out was, you know, kind of just drinking his coffee, doing his thing. So I went to the living room and got behind the television set and I totally messed with the box. And then my, you know, my dad caught me Behind the TV, it was like really big. I had to like unscrew the thing, and I used a butter knife to take the screws out and stuff. And he caught me (laughs) while I was screwing it back in. He's like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "I wanted to get those channels. I think I did it. I want to see Freddy Krueger. It's got to be on the TV. It said so in the cable TV guide thing." And he just looked at me, just like. What is going on here? Did you, does the TV work? He's like, you know, if your mother sees that you did this, you know, you're going to be in so much trouble because I had taken the backside of the TV off. Like I had unscrewed the whole thing. So I was screwing it on when he caught me and my sister was busy with the Nintendo in, you know, the bedroom. So I was like, no, no. no." So I like pushed it and put it back up against the wall. I was like, let's try. And boom, it worked. So I like free cable. And he looked at me and he was like, how'd you do that? Well, at the library, they were saying that they were doing these things. <laughs> he just looked at me and he was like, damn, did you just get, and I was like, you know, it's not like they're going to know you how to like put this thing. They put like this chip there and that's how they do it. And so, you know, he always knew, like even with my Tandy 1000, I was connecting it to the phone line, trying to connect from a little kid. I was always into computers. But I just remember my dad's face when he caught me, like my my short little self just popped up my head from behind this big TV, screwing it in with a butter knife, which obviously took down the heads of the screws, right, the way I was doing it. And it wasn't like he was upset, but he was like, I think he was mortified, like, damn, this kid is not, you know. And so anyway, uh, I got to watch Freddy Krueger. And um, I um, invited a neighbor uh, to come over. Her name was Tina. Fun memory. It's the time that I ate a slug. Um, Disgusting. And um, I like to put Swiss cheese ham and roll it in raw spinach, but I didn't wash the spinach. So as we were watching it, you know, we made these rolls. And then I hear a thump on the little glass, you know, living room table and um, a slug half of a slug dropped, the other half was in my mouth. So disgusting. Never ever had spinach again. But um, what it reminded me at that point was, is that people would always say slugs. This is how I remembered the TV, just so you see the thought process. Slugs are always slow, but they leave a trail behind. That is exactly how truth is. Truth is like a slug. And justice is like a slug. It moves really, really slow, but it has like that slime behind it. But when it comes to, damn, you could see the slug in all its glory without the shell. Okay? And this is where we're at. Reagan was that slime (laughs) of the slug. He was taking us to where we need to be today. Um, Hence the story of the TV and the slug because it was the day that I... Fiddled with the TV that I ate half a slug. I didn't swallow it. I spit it out. But, you know, Um, this is how we have to see things. We have to understand that the slug, when it gets to its destination, it's left the trail so people can follow it to see where it started and where it ended. Obviously, the slug of justice has been ongoing for centuries. People always trying to find the way to truth and harmony and peace and equality. But the one question that they always try to find is the purpose that humanity has. And that has been lost. We do not have it. Uh, we do not have that purpose anymore. Think about it. How many of you sit and literally think, what is the purpose of existing? Think. What is, how many of you have sat down and said to yourself, um, what's my purpose in life? Like actually ask yourself, what is my purpose? I don't know. Maybe I'm just a slug. But how do we figure out what our purpose is when we don't ask ourselves that question honestly? Like what is the purpose? What are we doing here? How are we working together? Your neighbor, have you spoken to them? Do you know what their hopes, desires, failures, needs are? No. So what is our purpose? To simply exist? To serve others? think about it. Think about how you believe you play into that. We're supposed to be a team and we're supposed to be together in everything because we are all supposed to be brothers and sisters together. So again, are you just a slug that leaves a trail behind or are you where the slug needs to be on that destination following that path? So is it that we are now at that precipice where we're like, all right, I see all the trails from the slug of truth and justice, and then and then and then. What is the purpose right now for every single person? Imagine the pain people are going through in nations like Germany, in nations like Portugal, Greece, Denmark, uh, you know, Sweden. Think these people have no idea they. Really are bending the knee. They are doing nothing to stop what is being done to them. They have forfeited that question of wait a minute, I'm divine. Wait a minute, I have free will. Wait a minute, when did you become the boss of my body? When did you become the boss of what I'm allowed to do? They forfeit that because they've been conditioned for eons, whereas we are young, we're rebels. We're like, nah, man, uh, we're not part of the Chinese dynasty, not part of the Roman empires, not part of the crown, not part of the Greek empire, not part of the Egyptian empire. You guys on that side of the pond have been conditioned for a very long time. We here took over this land, good or bad, and here we are. We're young, and we're like, nope, nope, I'm in charge. Nope, no one else is in charge. I am. So what is the purpose right now that we're at this point? This duality we have. Are we the slime or are we the slug, right? And I say we're the slug. Why do I say this? Because we're making that decision. The duality, the duplicity of humankind is pretty interesting because we're about to have two presidents. Which one's legit though? So let me remind you how they've already planned that that's how it's going to go. Listen to this very carefully. I played it for you in, uh, in July, told you just how important it is, and I've been
6: stressing it ever since it was said. Listen to it carefully. He will be leaving. Uh, Just because he might not want to move out of the White House doesn't mean we won't have an inauguration ceremony to inaugurate a duly elected president of the United States. Mm. And the uh, I just you know, I'm second in line uh, to the presidency. And just last week, I had my regular continuation of government. Briefing. This might interest you because it's. I say mm-hmm. to them, this mm-hmm. is never going to happen, God willing it never will, but there is a process. It has nothing to do with it that the certain occupant of the White House doesn't feel like moving and has to be fumigated out of there because the presidency is the presidency, it's not geography or location. So, so much for him. I wouldn't spend so much time on it. That's a victory for him because then we're not talking about your first more important subject, which is what are we going to do to stop this vicious, whether he knows.
0: Again, listen to it again.
6: Yet Or not, he will be leaving uh, just because he might not want to move out of the White House. Doesn't mean we won't have an inauguration ceremony to inaugurate a duly elected president of the United States. And the uh, I just, you know, I'm second in line. Uh, to the presidency and just last week i had my regular continuation of government briefing this might interest you because it's i say Mm -hmm. to them this is Mm -hmm. never going to happen god willing it never will but there is a process it has nothing to do with that the certain occupant of the white house doesn't feel like moving and has to be fumigated out of there because the presidency is the presidency it's not geography or location so
0: So it's not geography or location. So if he doesn't leave, they're inaugurating a president anywhere. So what's the new spot? Where are they going to do it? Remember, we talked about this. How many times have I shown you that video, played that audio many times? Now let's talk about continuity of government, which is something that I was really on top of in 2019. Trying to oust all the little worms that were there without being in a basement, uh, you know, voluntarily. I would totally volunteer my time To be in a basement and just give me 10 minutes and then I'm out. Give me 10 minutes, give me full access, and I will smoke out every single one of these continuation of government clowns. Speaking of continuation of government clowns, I have this video for you guys to watch. And listen carefully. We'll play it twice. Okay? It's really important. Look at the faces. Look at what they say.
7: What you know now, do you wish, like, you had a second, a, a third term?
0: Africa's democratic progress
7: is also at risk when leaders refuse to step aside when their terms end. Now, now let me be honest with you. I do not understand this. But under our Constitution, I cannot run again. I, I used to say, you know what, if if I could make an arrangement where um, I had a, I had a, a stand-in, a front-man, or front woman and and they had an earpiece in and i was just in my basement in my sweats sort of deliver the lines but somebody else was uh doing all the talking and ceremony i told barack if 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 i reach something where there's a a
8: fundamental disagreement we have based on a moral principle I'll, uh, i'll 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 develop some disease and say i have to resign um, we we don't have that. I'm. A, we haven't, and we discussed
0: public place. You did it. Probably the Obama thing. What? <laughs> John, what's the, Oh Obama God! Man? Oh
7: God! John, what? What? What is? What is your wife talking about? I don't know. What it happened? Was, We're not going to discuss anything? that. We're not going
9: to discuss it. <laughs> We're
7: not. We're Why? not.
9: Okay.
0: Now let's hear that again, <laughs> and then the Pucker Puckergate. Kamala and uh, Kamala Harris and John Legend's phase identical, aren't they? They made the same face the pucker and it's like the shaking of the head no No, no where she was talking about orgies at the white house, right? Public sex that's what she was saying
7: What you know now do you wish like you had a sec uh, a a third term? Africa's democratic progress is also at risk when Leaders refuse to step aside when their terms end now now let me be honest with you i do not understand this but under our constitution i cannot run again i i used to say you know what if if i could make an arrangement where um i had a i had a a stand-in a front man or front woman and, and they had an earpiece in and i was just in my basement in my sweats sort of deliver the lines but somebody else was uh, doing all the talking and ceremony. Like I told Barack, if 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 I reach something where there's a a fundamental disagreement we
8: have based on a moral principle, I'll uh, I'll, I'll 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 develop some disease and say I have to resign. Um, we we don't have that. I'm. A, we haven't,
5: and we discussed.
0: Public place, you did it. Probably the Obama thing. What? <laughs> John, what's the? the oh Obama God! Bank. Oh God, John. John?
7: What? What? What is? What is your wife talking about? I don't know. It's what like, happened? We're not going to discuss anything? that.
9: Not discuss it. <laughs> we're not.
7: We're Why? not. Okay.
0: So it's important that I played it twice, so you can get it, because sometimes people don't get what the message is. Right? The message. The message. See, there have always been other people in the background. I've kind of. Mentioned how important that is, and it's not the time to discuss that, because that'll be coming later. You think we're going to have tribunals? They're going to be Nuremberg style. Nuremberg style. This guy's been working round the clock. And I texted a couple of friends, people that it, were in the room with this president, and said, "Sequestration of information, compartmentalizing information. Relax. God's got this and obviously they're just like stop stop no but it is it is God has got this more than anything how do I know well apparently we've had a massive hack <laughs> what have we said about hacks before we've said they're not always really hacks right so there was a hack, U.S. Treasury. There was a hack at a U.S. nuclear weapons agency. And more hacks. And all of them go back to solar winds. Oh, you mean the chip? Mm-hmm. You mean through Akamai? Mm-hmm. And then there's people putting around, look, Europol and the FBI seized, you know, uh, servers and information about really bad hackers using ironclad VPNs. That's not good news. (laughs) They didn't get those VPNs for bad hackers. You know that, right? It's not. Take a listen to these hacks and I'll walk you through them because it's important to understand what's really happening in the background because we feel like we're not understanding what's happening in the background.
10: We should. Chris is on break. Well, the depth and scope of Russia's attack on the U.S. has not yet been fully realized. Cybersecurity experts say it could take years to understand just exactly what happened, what was stolen. But one thing is for certain, Russia was after national security and defense secrets. Here to join me to discuss is Chris Carter. He's the CEO of so our Software Company. Uh, Chris, thanks so much for joining me. So talk to me a little bit about this, because again, uh, this is not your mom and dad's hack. I mean, this is really a robust uh, effort here that we don't even know how long it is spanned. Um, talk to our viewers about that a little bit.
9: Yes, Joe, and thank you. Um, you know, just as you stated in your opening, this is an incredible invasion of the United States privacy by being hacked by this whatever entity it was, be it China, Russia, or so on. We don't know how long, other than the fact that we know that we believe that thanks to the folk, the good folks over at SolarWinds, or excuse me, at FireEye, that the SolarWinds application was hacked about nine months ago and it laid dormant. And the reason that the the folks at FireEye were able to figure that out is when the update to the Orion software, which is monitoring the, the landscapes of the federal government, as well as multiple, um, many, many. Fortune 500 organizations. That update tried to hack the folks at FireEye. So right now the United States government, these multi-billion dollar organizations that we rely on every single day, they don't know how bad this is and that should scare everybody.
10: Well, I think to that point, when you start really trying to understand the breadth and depth of this of this issue here, you, you look at somebody like Russia, they can't compete with us militarily, they can't compete with us economically, but what they can do um, is, you know, have us chasing our tail here. Where in a world where, you know, if you're, you're playing a football game, well, if you've got your opponent's playbook, it makes it a lot easier to defend them. If you're trying to figure out how to do well on a standardized test, if you have the answers ahead of time, it makes it very easy to do well. So talk to us a little bit again about these unseen threads behind the scenes uh, that can really have an impact on the security of America, but also the day to day living of Americans.
9: Yes, and just as you get, as I stated in your opening, you talk about the power grid, you talk about the water supplies, you talk about our, our basic forms of life our, our gas, ele- water, and electric. Those are all vulnerable, they're all on the network. And so what these organizations that are doing, be it Russia, China, Korea, um, they are going after the most common basic needs that we have here in the United States. And so they attack that and they bring in thousands of individuals and train them how to be hackers. And they put them together in these organizations and they do nothing but try to attack your firewall on a day-to-day basis. That's why the stay-at-home mentality is, is a good one. But unfortunately, we need those people back in the offices because behind those office walls is a security profile, those firewalls. I know I've had to have my parents change their passwords on their firewalls. How many of the individuals that are at home working with their children online, with their husbands and wives online, actually have ever changed the firewall in their either Netgear or Linksys security router? 90% 90% of those individuals, it's actually 89.7% of those individuals have never changed their password. And it's the same password for everybody. And that has got to scare everybody because these organizations know that, they rely on that vulnerability, and they are attacking everything from your smart TV all the way to the networks of these federal agencies that we think that the right now it's only 12. I can guarantee you, Joe. It is going to be many, many more in the upcoming days, weeks, and months.
0: Well, let me tell you about an operation that happened that everyone is calling a success. The Polizei Presidium, Reutlingen, National Police, the Politie of the Netherlands, Cantonal Police of Argovia, Federal Bureau of Investigation, Judicial Police, Direction Centrale de Police Judiciaire of France and Europol, European Cybercrime Center, EC3, all conducted an operation. It was a global operation to take down hackers, right? It was global action. Global action to take down a uh, domain of, uh, well, a VPN. Uh, uh, What was the operation called? And there's a picture that says, domain has been seized since December 21st, 2020. And it's the European Union member states in a seizure warrant issued pursuant to 18 U.S. Code 181030 issued by the United States District Court for Eastern District of Michigan. Wait a minute. Wasn't the Eastern District of Michigan, the specific U.S. attorney of the Eastern District of Michigan, Appointed by Barr. Do you guys remember that? I'm just saying. So apparently the operation was called NOVA. Okay. And this operation, uh, uh, law enforcement had wiretapped the very service used by criminals to evade interception. Now I'm going to tell you what the Reutlingen police of Germany said. The investigation carried out by our cybercrime specialist has resulted in such a success thanks to excellent international cooperation with partners worldwide. The results show that law enforcement authorities are equally as well-connected as criminals. The head of Europol, Europol's cybercrime center said the strong working relationship fostered by Europol between the investigators involved in this case on either side of the world was central in bringing down this service. Criminals can run, but they cannot hide from law enforcement. And we will continue to work tirelessly together with our partners to outsmart them. What kind of freaking statements are those? So apparently, active for over a decade, safe Inet was being used by some of the world's biggest cyber criminals, such as the ransomware operators responsible for ransomware e-skimming breaches and other forms of serious cyber crime. The VPN service was sold at a high price to the criminal underworld as one of the best tools available to avoid law enforcement interception, offering up to five layers of anonymous VPN connections. Law enforcement were able to identify some 250 companies worldwide, which were being spied on by criminals using this VPN. These companies were subsequently warned of an imminent ransomware attack against their systems, allowing them to take measures to protect themselves against such an attack. The service has now been rendered inaccessible. Investigations are ongoing in a number of countries to identify and take action against some of the safe users. What, 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 what? So, first of all, when Europol is involved and the Hitlers are involved, I say, eh, eh, not a good thing, first of all. Okay, let's just bring it down. Second of all, the fact that the Eastern District of New York, of, of Michigan, was involved with Europol and using that. In the Eastern District of Michigan, to file the report so that the FBI is in on it, I'm like, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Super red flag. So something is brewing, and they're not liking it. Something very, very, very big is brewing, and a lot of people are not liking it. So you have to think, why would... One of many such VPN services that John Brennan so nicely funded with Chinese Dala Dala have been taken down. And why is it the Eastern District of Michigan that was involved? Remember how Barr said that if your civil rights were violated because of COVID, you're going to get in touch with the U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of Michigan? I mean, so he's doing civil rights, and then we have VPN. Okay. Just saying. This is just planting some seeds so you can understand. Now, cybersecurity experts say that the Solar Winds hack is equivalent to a nuclear bomb. Now, I have explained that um, the chips on systems, kind of like, you know, how all these people were telling you, you can't hack the... Thing. Printer to print out the Kemp is a traitor. And it's like, yeah, I can't because I know the chipsets it has, and I can find the route and use that software to hack everything else because I know where the doors are. That's basically the premise of why we don't use specific phones and why we said we don't want Huawei, why we don't want certain Cisco parts, why we're not making stuff in America to make things amazing, right? And safe so that other people don't see our stuff. So this is kind of the same thing. Solar winds. Had parts, a lot of parts, parts that allowed access to a lot of people and a lot of things. It's pretty interesting. Take a listen to what they have to say. What this uh, cybersecurity expert has to say.
8: Okay. However, has been on the back foot in the battle for cyberspace. Fired DHS cybersecurity chief Christopher Krebs admitted this weekend it was his failures which ultimately allowed the Solar Winds attack to go on undetected for many months. There's also a new report about a former advisor to SolarWinds who claims to have warned the company way back in 2017 about just how vulnerable they were to a cyber attack. According to Bloomberg, Ian Thornton Trump, no relation to President Trump, briefed SolarWinds executives on that threat. He left the company a month later though, claiming that leadership was not interested in making any impactful changes. Joining me now to take all of this up, former senior State Department advisor, cybersecurity expert, Morgan Wright. So, Morgan, what do you make of this latest information, multiple adversaries, parallel attacks?
11: You know, Greg, this suspiciously sounds like the conversation you and I had about OPM, you know, a while back. We've got the same set of threat actors inside of our systems going undetected, for months if not over a year there's indications the initial intrusion into solar winds was in there for over a year they did a dry run back in october so you know as this comes out one of the biggest things we have to do is do damage assessment how much has been impacted how far did they actually get what systems were actually touched and right now we're, we're in a sense greg we're flying blind we have no idea the extent and now the revelation of a second actor. Did they did they share information? Is this still is this a another Russian threat actor? Is this China? There's a lot of work to be done to really figure out and assign attribution. But at the end of the day, Greg, we've been we have been caught not only with our pants down, we have been caught so far behind the lines right now. It's this is just I can't even tell you. It's like the equivalent of a nuclear bomb going off. It's just devastating what this impact will have, not just now but for years to come.
8: And what's the worst case scenario in terms of damage? I I, I told our viewers a moment ago, we don't know the full extent of the damage done, not just to our government agencies, national security, but to corporations as well. What's your biggest fear on that?
11: Yeah, you know, something I've talked about before, this sounds suspiciously like what's called IPB, intelligence preparation of the battlefield. When you get into the National Nuclear Security Agency, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, when you get into these places that have sensitive information about our critical infrastructure from banking, to finance, to the energy grid, to water, my concern is that this information is being stockpiled for use at a future time. The Just the ongoing damage of information and data being stolen and the, the sensitive conversations happening at government levels, that's one thing. But the, the collection of vulnerability data Greg, that's what really concerns me about what's going to be used with this. And again, this has all the characteristics of what the United States does before we go to war, intelligence preparation of the battlefield. This this is lurking out there. This is a huge issue that I think needs to be explored even further.
8: Well, so this malware has slipped into the SolarWinds server software, and they were warned about it from one of their own people, warning the executives that essentially, you know, your security systems are like a hunt. Hunk of Swiss cheese. There's so many holes right. in it. I mean, how can that be? Isn't that sort of the, the definition of recklessness and incompetence by solar winds? You, you know, Greg, this is the frustrating part. Having practiced in this area for a long time,
11: I work right now as the chief security advisor for Sentinel-One. We have seen this happen over and over again. Just substitute the name with a different company, and they have ignored warnings, they've ignored the red flags. In this case for Solar Winds, they were looking at themselves even internally, even this report from uh, the person who quit, this Trump person. He's even looking at what if we get breached? What the real impact was, we've now broken into the locksmith store and gotten the keys to get into 18,000 homes without having to trip the alarms, without breaking glass. This is even worse than that. It's one thing for a company to get breached. It's another thing to use their technology to breach 18,000 or 500, whatever the damage of the extent may be. That's what's really happened here. And what's gonna happen, I guarantee you, Greg, we're gonna have congressional hearings. There will be some kind of legislation now that comes out of this, that is gonna put government regulation on top of how we handle things much very similar to Sarbanes-Oxley. We'll have a digital version of something like that soon. But,
8: But speaking of government regulations, this guy, Christopher Krebs, who was recently fired as head of the cybersecurity infrastructure security agency known as CISA. Uh, right. and he said, look, uh, yeah, gee, uh, I'm to blame. Well, he is to blame, but not just him, right? I mean, there are other people in our government who should have seen this coming a mile away. Uh, Greg, this is something I wrote about before, and I've talked about
11: what China's also done to collect all of this open source data, to collect data from intrusions. I mean, they've corrupted and you know, and they've compromised a lot of our CIA, CIA assets that have gone into other countries. This was a massive intelligence failure. Why we did not have, we've relied too much from technical capabilities to say, we've got great technology. Yeah, we do. But at the end of the day, you still need people listening in on conversations that are there in the room to say, guess what, guys, Russia is getting ready to launch this. Here's some information. Here's how they're going to do it. We have lost the ability to really have a comprehensive human asset program to get the human intelligence we need to discover and stop attacks like this. We simply cannot rely on bits and bytes. We've got to put humans in there at some point to really help defend and protect the national security of the United States. It
8: can't all be done by computers. Morgan Wright, great talking to you again. Thank you so much for the insight. Good to see you.
0: All right. So um, that was quite insightful, uh, how they're talking about all of this... um, Cyber, all these cybersecurity breaches, but here's where they breach nuclear facilities too. So you have to ask yourself, wait a minute. So we've got breaches for our election machines, breaches for our nuclear facilities, breaches for all this. And wait a minute, and we're still talking Russia. We're still talking Russia. So apparently the Department of Energy and National Nuclear Nuclear Security Administration which maintains the United States nuclear weapons stockpile, was reportedly breached as part of a massive hack which affected at least six federal agencies. Hmm. Hackers have been able to do more damage at FERC than any other agency, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. Hmm. Interesting, the hack was reported over the weekend and conducted by Russian-backed hackers, according to the Washington Post, after Texas-based IT infrastructure provider SolarWinds Orion Network Management products used across several industries and government applications was breached earlier in the year. So wait, they knew that SolarWinds was breached earlier in the year? They raided it now after the elections. Solar wind stuff is used for a lot of things, including the elections. But we did it after the fact. And then after it was breached, nuclear energy infrastructure, the FBI, CISA, Treasury Department, all of these places were supposedly hacked. Do you guys remember the big fight they had in San Bernardino about the iPhone not having a back door? Do you guys remember that? Hmm? Do you guys remember that? Pretty interesting. Pretty, pretty interesting. So, I thought we can take a slight intermission, slight intermission, and listen to the words of this acoustic cover. (laughs)
5: Sta time making up the reasons. To justify all the good inside Girls, you know From the smile and the look in their eyes Everyone's got a theory but a bitter one They say Mama never loved her much And Betty never keeps in touch That's why she shies away from human affection But somewhere in a private place She packs her bags for the space And now she's waiting for the right Kind of pilot to come, and she'll see to him She's saying, Now we fly to the moon and back. If you'll be, if you'll be my baby, I've got a ticket.
6: Well, I had to show
0: something that came out of the Slavic front that doesn't have to do with elections, right? Now, I don't usually share people that are dear and close to my heart. Um, And the next person uh, is that type of person. And um, he said a few things, and I wanted you guys to hear it. He's one of the most incredible people that I know. Um, and And I can say that seeing him grow as a person over the years. You know, that's how it is. Um, You know, when you're friends with someone, friends in your, not friends, friends, but when you interact with people for a very long time in certain ways, you watch them grow. And, you know, you can't help but feel proud. I mean, don't you have friends that have changed or people that you uh, came in contact with? If if you had a job for a long time, like for me, there are some contractors from the beginning of this contract that I had, that's almost 11 years, I've watched them grow, right? So let's just say through various interactions, I have watched this person grow. And, um, I can say that what they had to say on TV one showed me that they're still the same. <laughs> and, uh, two, you know, I really wish they had, uh, the rosy colored glasses I wear, um, because mine can see the future a bit. Take a listen.
12: Says he was there for the meeting. He even posted pictures of himself at the white house to stop any critics From trying to claim that he was lying about it, is the founder and former CEO of Overstock.com, Patrick Byrne, a man who insists he's uncovered overwhelming evidence that the election was rigged. Patrick Byrne, welcome to the program. Mr. Sinchfield, glad, uh, it's an honor to be on. Thank you. Yeah. uh, Well, it's always an honor to have you here. So I want to get right to the heart of this. don't you tell me what went down in the meeting because i was struck by your comment that the president is being betrayed from within tell me about that
13: yes sir first i would would, i would never ever have posted pictures of myself in the white house but given that one of the three gentlemen there i think it's the general counsel pat cipollone leaked to the new york times the next day and leaked lies i felt an obligation to screw the rules and i i'm going to tell the truth and i put pictures up to show I was there. For the leakers, the general counsel, Pat Cipollone, he leaks, I believe, habitually to Maggie Haberman in the New York Times. Uh, Whoever leaked is lying through their teeth. I was there for the entire four and a half hour meeting. Uh, First of all, as a CEO, as a guy who built a number of companies, including one called Overstock, I I won the National Entrepreneur of the Year award. I've worked for Mr. Buffett. I've run groups of companies for him. The level of patience and generosity that President Trump showed is mind-boggling to me. I would have fired those guys in a New York minute. They were caught lying repeatedly in front of me. I told the president in front of them, "I can bring three young people from within your administration in this building right now in 30 minutes who will tell you that they are getting signals from their supervisors. Just get the president to can concede. Just let's get him to transition and." I'm not going to tell you much about what Mr. Trump had to say about things, but he was very annoyed about that. And he asked, too. And I said, one name I keep hearing is Pat He's your general counsel. The guy was sitting right behind me. Didn't even really deny it. Uh, Artful dot lodger stuff. I said he is lying through his teeth.
0: That's the truth. There you go. This is where this is uh, why uh, he's dear. You call him out right there. I've called people out right in front of their faces. I do this, and we have to do it at times like this. This is perfect. Sipalone doesn't only leak to Maggie Haberman. You got to talk about the investigative unit of WAPO, too. You got to talk about what happened with Khashoggi, because this guy was in the middle of it. Oh, Sipalone, we know. We know. And it's not just him. It's many of them. All of these people that are at the White House right now are worried about their job rather than fighting for their nation.
13: They're absolutely betraying him from within, his legal staff. Mark Meadows, I like. He's a nice man. I think he's a bit of a, I don't think he's got the courage that 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 position needs. Uh, He knows what's going on. Flynn and I and Sydney said after about 20 minutes, this is the most surreal thing we've ever seen. The lawyers were shouting at the president. Clearly, the lawyers can you still see me, sir? We seem to have frozen up. Hello. So th-
12: this is the White House attorneys, clearly not the team led by Rudy Giuliani. So you, Sidney well, Powell, Rudy, and General Rudy. Flynn. Right. No, I understand. Rudy's- these are these are the attorneys, not the team led by Rudy Giuliani. This is the White House attorneys. You and Sidney Powell and, and and General Flynn are, are there. And you want the president to go forward. And are they saying, no, you should not go forward, Mr. President? We have so many options. This is so winnable. This is absolutely
13: winnable. And everything that's mentioned, these lawyers and and, and Mr. Meadows, but especially these three lawyers are immediately saying no to. It's almost like they say no. And then they're going to converse about what the reason is. But they're an automatic no mode. Uh, it's a flat lie that martial law or anything about using the military was discussed in that meeting. The leaker who said that is lying through his teeth, which tells you something about him. Uh, they are absolutely in reflexive well. no mode. It came to shouting. It came to shouting between them and Flynn, who's the calmest guy in the world, till he finally stood up and said, let me ask you folks a question. Do you think the president won on November 3rd? Can we, and they all scuffed their toe in the dirt. Not one of them would answer that question. Uh, they shouted at president and me and Flynn and Sydney. They're shouting at the president till it literally got to the point that Flynn and I were standing shoulder to shoulder facing these nothing people led by Pat Cipollone. I would have fired that guy. If he worked for me, I would have fired him in a New York minute. I was shocked.
12: Well, the so reason I, I wanted to bring you on the program, Patrick, is because I wanted to get this straight from from your mouth as someone that was in the room. There's so many stories flying around there, and I can tell you, we support you, we support the team that wants the president to fight on because all of us believe this has to be investigated and this has to be worked out for justice to prevail. Patrick Burke, thank you for coming on the program. It is so great to see you again.
0: So yeah, he had to cut that short. Let me tell you something. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spill some tea, as they say, right? Overstock.com CEO Patrick Oops. Burns. There we go. I'm going to turn that. It just went into the next video. Okay, so listen. I'm going to spill some tea. So in November, when we first got to Washington, I knew that the minute I would go there, it would be literally fire on my shoes, um, that there would be a lot of roadblocks, And for me, the only concern was, let me figure out what their plan is, their backup plan, to make it pop into President Trump's face when he gets over this hurdle and provide that just to make sure it's there. Now, when I was speaking to a lot of the people that you see on TV, I pointed out a few people that should, they should have caution. Um because there was a lot of bottlenecking, peacocking, posturing. It was was pretty sad. And there were times while I was in it that um, I felt that um, I was powerless, which I was not. But there were times, not because I felt it um, per se myself, but I felt the energy around. Like me and Patrick Bergie were fighting. He was like, "They're not gonna listen." And I already knew how this plays out. There were so many people bottlenecking information, so many gatekeepers, so many people just coming to smother and choke information. And the information that we came down with was pretty big. And I remember I spoke with Patrick Byrne, and I said, "Listen, bat, if." we actually get in there, I'm going to bitch slap every single person that's there because I attended functions for the purpose of um, feeling out the environment. I took Millie's to a couple of those. She had never been to those. I hate those, you know, the more um, pretentious stuff. And she was so disheartened. And I said, it's Okay. It felt as if you wanted to take every single person and just line them up and smack them, throttle them. Why the hell do you have a job there if you're not even focused on what's right and that's your nation? You're supposed to be serving in that office to serve the people first. But what you care about is yourself. There was one um, person who is a credentialed person and we were having a cigarette <laughs> talking, and they were like, You know what's wrong? Babies are in the White House. Babies. And I can't stress this enough babies. People that still have remnants of their mom's egg attached to their butt. <laughs> so I said, I'd be the worst person to enter into one of those meetings because I wouldn't be like General Flynn, who is calm, humble, and collected, that may indeed raise his voice. I would have bitch slap, them, like backwards, just like that, because it is unacceptable that people are like that are actually in that office. I said it, I could picture it now. We could be sitting there talking with them and I'll turn around and whiplash. I usually use my eyes for that whiplash. I usually use my face, but I would not be able to hold myself because they've been in there all this time and did it. I would not be able to contain that portion of myself being in the presence of people, they're more worried about what the media is going to say. Nobody gives a shit. The media is going to say it anyway. Nobody gives a shit what Pelosi has to say. Nobody gives a shift what shit has to say. Nobody gives a shift about anything. It's what is right and not what they will say. So it's a good thing that um, Patrick got to Go to that meeting. <laughs> it's a good thing I didn't rub off on him enough during those conversations um, to express it. The problem that we have, and I'm going to make it clear so you understand, this battle of this compartmentalization of information is not that there aren't good people, but sometimes good people overthink shit. Rather than say, all right, right now we don't care who you are. You could be a baker. There's, there's people out there with very good information from around the nation that are just nobody. So nobody's paying attention to them. That's a problem. When you're at war, the scuttle is going to save your ass. When you're at war, it's the water boy that's going to wet your lips so you can continue to fight. And that is the problem. And this is the same thing that I did in my life. So, so like, even when I went to school and I was in in medical school and I was studying, right, I wasn't going to learn from the doctors. I wasn't going to learn, you know, just from my books. Do you know who I learned from? The nurses. Because they're the ones that do the scuttle. It's the same thing here. Unfortunately, those that are on the front lines are not acknowledging those with the irregular skills. I found them. I tapped into them. That is how we have to work. We have to pull together. And so even though, even though it's already done, it's already been said, this is going to be one. I can express to you that even though I knew what the outcome is, I knew the end of the book, doesn't mean that I'm not going to nail bite and bitch about the middle. Right? Even though you know how it ends, you still can't help but bitch about the middle. And that's the problem. We have to understand that everyone plays a role. And titles and tiaras are why we are where we are. People that are sitting in D.C., these D.C. rats are why we are here. This is why, like so many times I was asked, why didn't you say something before? I freaking did. But who was I really going to tell? How many out there are trying to tell and can't? There are so many out there that have come out of the shadows and they're dismissed. Oh, there's so much more I want to tell you. But the one thing that we have to push on is making sure every single voice is heard. And that's on everything. That's what people need to understand. Every single voice must be heard. It has to be heard. And for those that are sticking with titles and tiaras, can I trust, can I not look at actions, look at what they're providing you? Because I got a lot of things from random places and I was like, damn, that's what's up. (laughs) Dang, that's pretty awesome. I mean, one of them is actually a former NYPD officer that got really, really drunk and got fired at some point in time. Um, you know, during a scuff, he's, he's a hothead. You know, he's just like, he's super nut, But he had some good information. Unfortunately, that information never got to where it needed to go because they don't like the source it came from. And it's like, why are you being choosy right now when this can give you crap about the wiener laptop? Why are you being picky right now and scuffing your nose up when we need every single piece of weaponry? Information and knowledge are the biggest weapons. So, for you guys to understand, there are a lot of people that are bottlenecking. People like Pat Cipollone, leaking what? To Maggie Haberman, let's talk WAPO. Let's talk Jake Tapper. Let's talk, let's talk, let's talk, let's talk. Because Pat Cipollone was hmm, the facilitator to deliver McRaven's letter to the New York Times for that anonymous op-ed. But again, these are the people that are within the White House. These are the people that tell our president, you can't do it, tell me why. It'll be a field day for the media. Fuck the media. The people want it. You can't arrest them. Why not? Because the media. Fuck the media. This is what we need to keep repeating. We don't care what they say. They're going to say it anyway. Oh, don't give them an excuse. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. You don't even have to give them an excuse. And they're going to drag you through the mud. They're going to do whatever they want. So why do you care? That's the thing. People have no cojones. It's like they've been gathered in a purse right? Nothing. You shouldn't care what other people say. You know what you're saying. You shouldn't care, especially when you're at war like this, who you're getting your information from. It should just be that, hey, that's some damn good information. Give it to me. I was really upset when that information, I provided that information and told them where it came from. They didn't want it. I was like, why not? Because, you know, he got drunk, he beat up a couple guys, he said some racial slurs. So, the information's still good. Yeah, we don't want it leading back to him. Because the media, I don't care what the media says. He could be the biggest scoundrel ever. Is the information good? Yes. So then why aren't you using it? You don't even have to say it's from him. The guy doesn't want acknowledgement. Why aren't you using it? But the information came from. Can you val? Can can you verify it? Yes. Can it be useful? Yes. So then, why aren't you using it? Because the media will find out. The media. Nobody cares. The media is going to say whatever they want. They're going to spin it. They're going to wash. It. I mean, look at the lady. You know who testified? The feisty lady with the bun and the glasses, right? She testified, and then they had a smear campaign. Look at her. She was dancing. She was doing all these things. Yeah. So she danced so she can make money and pay her way through school. So you're going to use that to discredit her. (laughs) I mean, people are using shit. I didn't do against me to discredit me. I stand on my own feet. On my own feet. So this is how they operate. Mob mentality. Like Reagan said. Like JFK said, like everybody has been saying for decades, this mob mentality is what's destroying our nation. How many movies have you watched where the day is saved by the person who was the most corrupt? Someone that, I don't know, ran people over when he was drunk when he was 17. Or someone that had robbed banks for a living, right? Save the day. Redemption. That's the problem. That is the problem. That people still stick to titles and Tiaras even though titles and Tiaras is why we are in this place in the first place. In the first place. Why are we here? Because titles and Tiaras. Why are we here? Titles and Tiaras. Why are we doing this to ourselves? Why are we giving merit to people because they have what? Credentials, stars, stripes, Medals, a stupid, long-titled chief, da-da-da, correspondent of West Bubblefuck. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Can your information help this nation? Yes, we're taking it. Can it not? We're dismissing it. That's the way it is. It's called blissful ignorance. Or your shit doesn't stink. Or you think you're better than everyone else. That's what it sounds like. Because in this time, we should all be working together. Like I said, I really wish that the rug was pulled out from under, but it had to happen this way. And all you could do is hope that the right people have seen it and that it doesn't boomerang. Because this is it. We're in this position because we give a shit about what the media says, because the media is part of the military-industrial complex. The media is the communists' arm. These are commies. The commie plan was what? Infiltrate a party, take it over, own the media. Then it's over. They said it in their own manifesto in the 50s. They said it. And all they had to do was bring out titles and T.R. How many of you have a state representative senator or whatever or mayor who's been elected by the people because they're popular or oh that guy has a lot of businesses or like that clown billy long that has an auction business like who doesn't even know what twitter is and that he, he but yet he was qualified to ask questions of dorsey right idiot titles and tiaras people are like well if he's a successful businessman that means he's pretty well to speak for us and he's got no it should be the toothless guy on the corner that preaches about freedom, that should be your voice. The problem that we have is titles and tiaras. You know, people that make up our quantum intelligence group are so awesome. And one of them, when introduced to people, you know what I turned around and said? You know what sucks? That in our agency, this person would have done the job of 10. This person is a genius, and yet they wouldn't pass through the threshold, and we're losing out because we're doing titles and Tiaras. That's the problem. Some people that we work with are so incredible, it pisses me off. Like, why is the the Central Intelligence Agency, the NSA, the FBI, hiring people that have brick-and-mortar, fresh-molded idiots rather than autists, right, autists? That's what we need. People that don't fit the mold. People that can make change. People that want change. People that want good to perpetuate. People that have good as a goal. Instead, we pick idiots. Guys, if you see the staffers at the White House, they're all between the ages of 18 and 25. They're fucking snot-nosed kids. When we should have adults running that place, we have snot-nosed kids. My daughter was talking to me the other day, and you know she was like, "Oh, you know, mom." And I was like, "I'm your mom. I'm supposed to like be there." Da 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 da. She's like, "But I'm an adult." I was like, "You're not an adult till you're like 32, because this in your 20s is when you do your stupid shit." And to have 25 year olds, 23 year olds, 20 year old, fresh out of high school, getting a gap year in college, coming and working at the White House and dealing with matters of such. You're just like, okay. And then we ask why. (laughs) Then we're like, why are we in this position? It's because most of them are just for decoration. Like I've said before, the one thing I never could stand about Washington, D.C., especially the State Department, which is even bigger than the CIA. So a lot of people think that the Central Intelligence Agency is where all the intelligence happens. Fuck no. It's the State Department. I don't care what anyone says. The the CIA then employs the people in the State Department to be assets, right? (laughs) Let's be clear. So the biggest garbage comes out of the State Department because they're the ones that are pushing our policies to foreign leaders, foreign nations, foreign people, You know, localizing all the things we want them to push alongside contractors. So the thing that we have is that we have idiots working there. And then these idiots are simply for decoration because the people that are really making the decisions are people like Obama, who was groomed and created in a Petri dish the way he needed to be done with his mom, who his mom and Peter Strzok's dad were best friends. They fucked up Upper Volta and created Burkina Faso. They created the Iran that we have today. Those are the people that pull the strings for all these idiots that supposedly have jobs. And you pay to sit there and collect dust at a desk and then give like one pages and say, here's our research. What the hell is this? That's not research. That's a copy paste infographics from some stupid website. Where's your research? You ask them to do work. They don't know what it is. Thousands of you right now, if someone was to ask you, hey, could you give me an analysis of what's going on in Ethiopia right now from their economy to their health, to this, to that. Thousands of you have Pages and pages of a PowerPoint or a PDF document collated with infographics, informations, and links within a day. These idiots get a month and they give you a one page and say, that's it. And it's like, what the fuck is this? This is exactly how it works. And then we have lawyers, staffers, gatekeepers at the White House that don't let our president have access to information because he's too busy. They need to sequester it. Oh, we can't tell him that. Because then he's going to be like, oh, what if he starts tweeting? Yes, President Trump, here's what I need you to tweet. Turns out, no election has been valid since 2016. That means, Pelosi, pack your shit and go back to your expensive refrigerator and eat your ice cream. Because nobody is a valid elected person that's sitting in Congress right now. Would love for him to tweet that out. That would empower the base like no other. But yet. What would the media say? We can't have chaos, Tori. That would be chaos. Give it chaos. This is chaos. Because now you're going to give even worse chaos. We're going to have Pelosi and the media inaugurate him where? San Francisco? Delaware? What are they going to declare as a district of something so that he can sit at? This is what you want? That chaos? This is what you want? That chaos? We need the right chaos, and that's organized chaos. That's chaos of rebellion. That's chaos of free people speaking. That's what we need. We don't need their rubbish. We don't need to tiptoe around things. We need to boom, it's done. We need to gut the media. Gone, period, finished. That's how it moves along. We haven't had a valid election since 2016 elections. None of the machines have been certified, which means none of the hardware has been vetted to disallow foreign interference. So there you go. That's fact. You can't fight with it. Oh, well, you know, since the Have Act is so bad and, you know, the EAC. All right, let's put it this way. The EAC had no quorum in 2018. That means that the elections of 2018 were fucking failed. So all the people in Congress have no say. Get rid of them. They can't pass laws. It's undone. Bye. Why aren't we doing it? Chaos is the answer. Chaos. It can't be like this. It's chaos. It's chaos. It's chaos. You must focus. They're bringing on confusion. They're holding on the megaphone. Flip the script on them. Pull that rug. Push it out. That's how it is. We're the news. They're not. We demand action. They don't. And even the people around the president, I've said this so many times, everybody that surrounds the president doesn't want him to be president. Even the people they pardon that work with him, I feel skeptical of. Why are you sequestering all this information, sir? Why can't the president see all the information, sir? How come all people are reporting to you, sir? Because you see it from the eyes of those in a position that oversaw a lot. We don't need that. We need simple people. We need simple answers. We need one-pagers. We need it done. We don't need sequestration. We the people demand it. Now, many people are going to go down to D.C. I'm going to go down there in support of Patrick Berge testifying, of course. There's a lot coming out to the table, a lot that's going to be happening. But first and foremost, we must be heard. That's the thing. We must be heard every single one of us, every single one of you, because if we're not, then, you know, we still win, but then we get into that honeymoon phase, you know, five, 10 years down the line, and we're right back where we started. Hence, there's only about, you know, eight years left to get this done because we don't need the cities and the countries because this is exactly what's hitting up with these twin presidents, (laughs) two presidents, two presidents, two. So we must be heard. And we must be loud and we must continue to push and we must continue to contact our senators and our Congress people and Dan Scavino, who I trust because he gets it. But the person that's sequestering the information is not picking the correct information. He's picking the information based on operational strategies and what can the sequestration has to stop because if the machines were vulnerable for foreign interference since February 24, 2017, that means no election since then has been valid. That's the way it is. That is exactly the way it is. And it is imperative that we take a route that pushes. Because the two presidents... One is going to be a false president, praised by the media. The other will be the president of the people. Who will the military choose? Who will the federal agencies choose? That's it. So, as I said in that tweet, what is about to happen in the next few weeks is pure and utter chaos. Uncharted waters. We've never, ever foresaw that something like this could happen. But I rest assured that it has. We saw it during Lincoln's time. And we do indeed have the best captain on this ship to steer us in these waters of turmoil and chaos. But the thing is, he needs the right hands on deck. And we need to stop with the titles and tiaras because that's what got us here. We need to make sure the person that's sequestering the information Needs to stop wearing the glasses of DC Swamp. Stop wearing the glasses of titles and tiara, and put on the damn glasses of justice and fairness, and just pure information. Because this is driving me insane. I know the ending. I just, this is really pissing me off. Um, so I feel what Patrick Byrne is saying, and I could imagine, <laughs> I'm shocked, he didn't turn around, and whiplash him. I'm just saying. He's a he's a great person. He's very collected, but I'm I'm shocked that he didn't turn around and whiplash. But the question is, you're asking the lawyers of the president, what do you think? Do you think he won? And they wouldn't answer that. That tells you everything you need to know. Tells you what team they bat for. And you know, Emerald Robinson had tweeted out that Pat Cipollone is like not, you know, no, 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 love her. And it's like, oh, then Patrick Byrne comes out with this, and it's like, yep, that's what's up leaking conversations, telling people things that aren't true, right? That's what he did. Giving information. You know, they were talking about the information that was being shared again. They said, well, we can't use this because the person is discreet." Nobody gives a shit what the person is. You need to move along with valid information. Like when I saw it, I was like, use it, use it, use it. And they're like, we can't eat that because. Of-. Okay. So then in history, You will have had the Trump card and you're sitting there on it because you don't want the media to crucify you that some person from back in the day, blah, 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 blah. No, that's unacceptable. (laughs) That's unacceptable. So there are more, there's more than one person that he pardoned. Okay. It's different. So now I can tell you something and I'm just going to, Close with this. President Trump is a very patient man. And the one thing he does is know game theory very, very well. He's got a poker face like no other. And I can almost imagine all of them sitting there. And him sitting there and just listening. Hearing their frustration. Hearing their ideas. And him being kind. And very nice because that's how he is, very cordial, right? Very cordial. I can picture it. And allowing the general counsel to stymie, remedy, rebudge, whatever. And I could picture Flynn and Powell and Byrne sitting there, growing red with rage, not being able to fathom how he allows that to go on and he's standing there calm and watching cuz he already knows what's coming but he wants to see it play out to see how and what and pick and choose and do so he's a, he's very stoic in that sense it almost i could i could say that it would be kind of like the same response i made when we were ambushed in D.C. So in D.C., um, a contracting asset asked um, Millie Millie and I to go and meet. um, Well, he did tell us that we were meeting someone specific. And it turns out he took us to a media outlet. And Millie looked at me like, what are we doing here? That's not where he said we were going. And I told her just roll with it. And she was like, I don't understand why you're not, you know, freaking out, why you're saying anything to them. Why are you talking? And I and and you know, how is it how are you so calm? was her response. And it's like, you know, when you've danced with the swamp for so long, you know exactly how they work. So you roll with the punches and you smile and pretend you don't care, and you just play really dumb. And that is exactly how POTUS works. He smiles, and he's really nice and cordial, but he pays attention to everything, and he watches everything, and this is how it works. You roll with it. You let it see play out. You're watching frontline soldiers go to battle with your snakes around your ankles, and you're watching them, and you're keeping the peace between them nicely and kindly, while The swamp monsters, the snakes, remember, are rebuttaling every good thing that they're putting forward. He's watching. He already knows what's playing out. Everything has to be compartmentalized. A good operation happens when things are compartmentalized and they come together to fruition at the time that is needed. If you want to grab that hope diamond, You hire the best, right? But you don't tell all the best that they're all competing for that hope diamond because then they won't use their best strategy. They will use their best strategy to one-up the other team because that's how humans think. So let's pretend there was a team of five individuals and then a team of seven individuals, then a team of three individuals, then a team of a hundred individuals, and they were all going for the hope diamond, but they all knew that all the teams were hired. What happens? Then every single one of those teams not only tries to uh, get that hope diamond, but they try to outsmart the other groups that are also targeting the hope diamond so they can be first. Therefore, You never, ever, ever tell anyone how many teams you have working on it because one of them will have the successful plan, one of them will have brought it home, but you also watch the other teams work so you know who's really working for the nation and who's really not. That's how it goes. Because we tend as um, strategists To see it as when you task a lot of people with the same task, you see that not only are they fixed on covering and completing the task, but they also want to get a leg up on the other person that's fighting to get that task done. You see? So a good leader, a smart leader, a genius leader, a leader that may or may not have access to fancy math, would say, I'm going to task Everybody, and let's see who makes it to the finish line. But I already know that this team is going to give me the solution. But through that team that's giving me the solution, I will find all those that were working against the nation, too. So let's put it quickly into perspective. Hope Diamond situation. Now, five teams on the Hope, five teams were tasked, none of them know that they were tasks. They're going to focus and get the hope diamond. One of them is going to win, right? The best one's going to win. And it's not even going to mitigate for other people to come in. Best one's going to win. Easy peasy. And while the best one's going to win, right? And all these teams are competing. You might see a team that's talking to some other guy that wanted the hope diamond. And he'll say, listen, this guy is giving me like $10 million to go and steal this hope diamond, Uh, if you give me 20, I'll give it to you and I'll, I'll work on the plan that he gave me and then I'll give it to you and they negotiate. And then you're like, damn, that guy's a snake. Then another one, uh, who's going for the hope diamond taps into another team. You tapped and said, yo, I'm going to be doing this, this, this. And then they start discussing money. Oh, I got 10 million. What? He only gave us 8 million shit. Let's work together and do it like this. But I want to cut like this. This is how you weed out the underlying snakes. Because there's always going to be that one Trump card. And everyone's going to bring a card to the table. Not to say the Trump card needs a fan of cards right under it, right? But this is how you weed out all the bad people, all the fake good people. And you also learn and teach them what their weaknesses are. Because it'll be very surprising for the people to understand that it's those nameless people that actually already solved this issue that we have with our nation a long time ago. And this is just done to shine so we know exactly who we need to keep where, what kind of people we need to keep where to make sure that when President Trump is done and his time is up here, that we have those kind of people running our nation. You got it? So it had to be this way. One, to show you just how corrupt everything is. Two, to show you how all these people that have been telling you, good, 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 are not really on the good side. Three, to show you who really puts America first and who puts titles and Tierra first. Because the Civil War... The Revolutionary War that we've had was not done by the Heidels and Tierra. It was won by the people who cared about their country. That's how it was won. So it has to be done this way so we can make sure that this win is not in vain and that it continues forward. There will be a day where I'll be like this person, that person, that person, that person, and maybe not. I'm actually quite forgiving. I'll try not to hold the grudge. So it has to be this way. It's happening. And for you naysayers, you'll see everything's going to be fine. You're ready for this. You've had four years since you graduated. Well, three years since you graduated. The president told you, never, ever, ever give up. That's a quality we have. And never let anyone tell you that they're better than you, and that you are supposed to succumb to them. You are Americans. You're supposed to be standing on your own two feet, proud with your shoulders high because you're in command. Remember, they only look like giants because you are on your knees when, in fact, you're the giant, and they're nothing. So on that note, guys, I'm going to wish you a wonderful evening. I will see you tomorrow, same time, same place. I think Christmas Eve, I'm going to be doing a show from somewhere else. Um, I'll tell you that when I know more. Um, God bless everyone. See you tomorrow.
6: I don't know what you had in mind, but here we stand on opposing sides. Let's go to war.
5: Let's go to war! We are With the wrongs we've done, name them off one by one. Let's go to war. Let's go to war. Everything you say, everything you do, you push it in. Then you shut me down. Then you shut me down. Screaming at the ones we love